0: Yeah, okay. Both are weak. (laughs) How many of you don't really care? Okay, all right. (laughs) A lot more people who don't care. (laughs) But uh, yeah, it's awesome. It's an awesome Sunday. It's awesome to be in the house of the Lord. Amen. Hey, by the way, I had so much uh, fun uh, worshiping together at worship night uh, two Saturdays ago. So thank you so much for hosting it. Yeah, it was so awesome. We had a great time. All three campuses were here worshiping the Lord. Thank you so, so much. Amen. Amen. God is good. All the time. And all the time. Amen. Amen. How many of you like that last song, There Is None Like You? Wait, right? How many of you are familiar with that song? Yeah, okay, a few of you. You know, this morning I was uh, just watching the team uh, rehearsing and then Reagan, Reagan was like, This was a song, one of the songs that my mom used to listen to. It's like, wow, thank you, Reagan, for making me feel old. (laughs) Because I, you know, that song, I listened to that song when I was in high school. So, yeah, now you know how old I am. Uh, I'm turning 48 this year. So, uh, you know, dragon is my Chinese sign. So, it's the year of the dragon. Dragon is cool. Anyway, I'm the only one who thinks that way. But hey, uh, we are in this series called Treasure Possession. Everybody say Treasure Possession. Treasure possession. And um, the verses that's going to be like the anchor, like the anchor verses for this series is Exodus chapter 19, verses 5 and 6. Now if you fully, or if you obey me fully and keep my covenant, then out of all nations, you will be my treasure possession. Everybody say Treasure Possession. Although the whole earth is mine, you will be for me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words you are to speak to the Israelites. We started a series called Treasure Possession. We're going to reflect on the book of Exodus. We're going to talk about the bondage in Egypt, the ten plagues, the grumbling in the wilderness, the Ten Commandments, the Sabbath, the tabernacle. Because there's so much uh, metaphors that we can see in the book of Exodus with the journey that we are going through as disciples of Jesus. And we want all of us to understand, to grasp, to get a hold of our identity. Everybody say identity. Identity. And our mission. Everybody say mission. Mission. Israel being God's treasure possession. Talks about the church, talk about you and me, that we are God's treasure possession. Tell somebody you you are God's treasure possession. Amen. It's not determined by what we did or what we will do or by what happened to us, by our failures, our accomplishments. Amen. Amen. That's not what determines who we are. We're not defined by what happened to us, by our accomplishments, by our prestige and everything that we do or we did. You know, uh, last week, uh, my daughter Audrey, she's nine, she's in fourth grade. She, uh, she was running for... Um, to be the sales commissioner in her church, not her church, in her school, the sales commissioner in her school, right So the job of a sales commissioner is to sell popsicles and ice cream and this is the second time she was running for that position in, in the third grade. she ran for that same position and she didn 't she didn't get the votes, enough votes. Uh, I helped her making all the posters and all that. It was cute and all that, but she still didn 't win. And then this, year, this time around, she wanted to design her own poster, and so she did, and then uh, she also didn't win again, and when I picked her up at school, she looked so, you know, sad and so disappointed, uh, and she said, Daddy, I'm a loser. I was like, no, Audrey, you're not a loser. Well, but I lost. I didn't get the sales commissioner position. No, Audrey, that's not a losing experience, but that's a learning experience. No, yeah, but I lost. Um, I already, you know, you 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 gave me, uh, you enrolled me in speech and uh, debate uh, class, and I still lost. And those guys, those kids who got, you know, their two positions, sales commissioner, uh, they didn't even have the speech and debate class, and they won. And I was like, oh, it's, it's okay, it's a learning experience. And then she also said, well, but Zachy won uh, when he ran for sports commissioner. And he didn't have speech and debate class. I'm a loser. So she went on and on and on. I had to tell her, no, Audrey, you're not a loser. It's not because of what you you did. Uh, Your failure does not define you. So I tried to convince her for the next few days. And the same thing. Many times things that happen to us, we allow those things to define us. And that's not how it should be. Amen. We are who we are. Is determined by the grace of God, Amen. By what Jesus did on the cross, Amen. I want to revisit Exodus chapter one. If you can read it with me, these are the names of the sons of Israel who went to Egypt with Jacob, each with his family: Reuben, Simeon, Levi, Judah, Issachar, Zebulun, Benjamin, Dan, and Naphtali, Gad, and Asher. The descendants of Jacob, number seventeen, all Joseph was already in Egypt. Now. Joseph and all his brothers and all the generation that died, but the Israelites were exceedingly fruitful. Everybody say exceedingly fruitful. fruitful. They multiplied greatly, increased in numbers, and became so numerous that the land was filled with them. Then a new king, to whom Joseph meant nothing, came to power in Egypt. Look, he said to his people, the Israelites have become far too numerous for us. Come, We must deal shrewdly with them, or they will even become more numerous. And if war breaks out, we'll join our enemies, fight against us, and leave the country. So they put slave masters over them to oppress them with forced labor. And they built Phaetham and Ramesses as store cities for Pharaoh. But the more they were oppressed, the more they multiplied and spread. Thank you, Pastor Ray. So the Egyptians came to dread the Israelites and work them ruthlessly. They made their lives bitter with harsh labor in brick and mortar. And with all kinds of work in the fields, in all their harsh labor, the Egyptians worked them ruthlessly. Would you please bow your head with me? Father, we thank you for your holy presence in this place. We know that when, you are, when, we, um, when we gather, two or three of us, you are present. And you are enthroned in the presence of your people. So we thank you for the moment that we enjoy God, this time, we ask for you to speak to us. Help us to understand what is in your mind and what is in your heart. Speak into our situation. And Lord, we are uh, listening. We are hearing. Not for the purpose of adding more info or knowledge, but we want to be doers of your word. We want to be obedient to your word because your word is not just a collection of suggestions or recommendations, but your word is your commands. Your word is truth. Your word is life and power. Your, your word changes and transforms us. So we are ready to be changed. We are ready to be transformed. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody said, Amen. Amen. You know, it says, Israel was exceeding fruitful, multiplied greatly, increased in numbers. Even the whole land of Egypt was filled with them. So let me ask you this. Was Israel blessed? Yes or no? Yes. Yes. Israel was blessed. But then it it says they they were put into forced labor. They were worked ruthlessly. They were enslaved. Israel was blessed, but yet they were oppressed. I mean, there's something wrong with that picture. They were blessed but oppressed. Now, I want to take us back. I know we talked about this uh, passage last week, but I want to revisit it because there is one truth that I would like to convey to you all. And it's my job today to make sure that you understand because this one truth, it is so in- important, so instrumental, so fundamental in your walk as a disciple of Jesus. Can I hear you? Amen. So we're going to go back. Israel were, you know, blessed, increasingly uh, fruitful, multiplied, increasing in numbers. But yet they were oppressed. They were blessed but oppressed. Something just doesn't jive, right? So let's go back to the very origin of Israel. Genesis chapter 12, verse 1, it says, The Lord had said to Abraham, I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse, and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. Israel, the origin of Israel was a guy named Jacob. His name was changed to Israel, and he had 12 sons, right? And one of them was Joseph. Joseph became, you know, he was sold to slavery into an Egyptian, and somehow he made uh, a climb and became uh, the second most important or more most powerful uh, person in Egypt. But Jacob is the son of Isaac, and Isaac is the son of Abraham. So there was a promise that was given to Abraham, and it was given in Genesis chapter 12. I will bless you, and you will be a blessing. You will be blessed, and all peoples on earth shall be blessed through you. I believe that same promise is given to us. That we are blessed to be a blessing. Amen. Everybody say, I'm blessed Blessed. to be a blessing. blessing. Tell somebody, you are blessed to be be a blessing. Now, how blessed was Abraham? How did God bless Abraham? Abraham was blessed with wealth, with prosperity. Genesis 13 verse 2 says, Abram had become very wealthy in livestock and in silver and in gold. So God has this desire to bless you and to provide for you that you shall not lack of anything. Right? God doesn't mind you have things or stuff, but he does have a problem when things have us. Money is a good servant, but a bad master. Abraham was also blessed with good name. Genesis chapter 12 verse 2. I will make your name great. You know we often worry about our reputation. You know I I also, you know, feel the same way. Like, you know, whenever I, you know, I heard that somebody, you know, misunderstood me or, you know, uh perceived me negatively, I used to be so worried. I used to like try to go out of my way trying to explain, hey, that's not who I am. That's not what I meant when I said that. That's not what I meant when I did that. But after a while, I just can't control people's minds. You know, at some point, it's just like, God, I'm just, you know, people may judge me, you know, however they want. You know, if there are people who ask, like, hey, why did you do that? Why did you say that? I mean, I'm definitely more than happy to explain, but at some point, I don't want to be living in fear and and anxiety and worrying about what people think about me because I believe that our reputation is in God's hands. You know, even throughout the Bible, there are times when God would allow somebody to be just slandered and, and the reputation to be, you know, just crashed. But we believe that, I believe that good name comes from the Lord. Amen. Abraham received victory. Genesis 14. After Abraham returned from defeating Lamor, the kings and the king's ally with him, then Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine and blessed Abraham saying, blessed be Abraham by God most high, creator of heaven and earth, and praise be to God most high who delivered your enemies into your hand. Abraham also blessed with living a full life. Genesis 25. Abraham lived 175 years, then Abraham breathed his last and died a good old age, an old man and full of years, and he was gathered to his people. Those are just to name a few of the things that Abraham was blessed with. Um, In some other verses, it says how Abraham was blessed with wisdom and knowledge and insights, favor from the Lord. He was a good provider. But I want us to look at and reflect as to if we really think about it what was Abraham's greatest blessing is it about having lots of descendants I mean he didn't have kids for a long time and he was already past the childbearing age his wife already passed the childbearing age they were like when God spoke to him and gave him the promise he was 75 and not only his wife was already past the childbearing uh, age, she was also barren. she could not have kids. but God told Abraham, you will have lots of kids, you will have a lot of descendants. your descendants are going to be as numerous as the stars in the sky, as the sand in the seashore. And you know for Abraham it was like, yeah God, I mean you know I would love to have some kids on, on my own. Is it about having a lot of descendants? Abraham's greatest blessing? Is it about him having a lot of wealth, prosperity, possession, power, popularity, influence, insights, affluence, wealth, and health? What was Abraham's greatest blessing? Now I want to take us through like there are passages in the Bible and I want you to to see there's a motive in the Bible and we're going to go through it. But I want to propose to us that Abraham's greatest blessing was the blessing of knowing God. The blessing of being called a friend of God. I mean, the possessions were nice, the wealth was nice, the good name was nice, the victories were nice, but the greatest blessing that Abraham received was the blessing of knowing God. Can I hear a good amen? 2 Chronicles chapter 20, verse 7 says this, Our God, did you not drive out the inhabitants of this land before your people Israel and give it forever to the descendants of Abraham your friend Isaiah 41 verse 8 but you Israel my servant Jacob whom I have chosen your descendants of Abraham my friend James chapter 2 verse 23 and the scripture was fulfilled that says Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness and he was called God's friend of all the blessings, I mean, when we talk about blessings, what comes to mind would be physical blessings, right? The wealth and the health, and the you know the money in the bank, the promotions that you just the promotion that you just got, or the salary raise that you just got, new customers that you just uh, acquired, um, the new house, big house, nicer house than the one you had before. The nice and fancy car that you're driving. I mean, usually when we talk about blessings, those are the things that come to mind. And God does want to provide for us. Can I hear a good amen? But I would like to propose to us, and I'm going to try to convince you today, but the greatest blessing that God has given to you and me is the blessing of knowing God. The blessing of being a friend of God. The, the ultimate blessing, the fundamental blessing f- through which we got, we received all the other blessings. That we get to receive all of those other things because of this, you know, one thing. The blessing of knowing God. and many times, you know, when we think about, we think about blessings, we, we think of all of those different things. But knowing God is something that is so precious and that's something that cannot be you know, replace or purchase with anything. Uh, a, a couple of weeks ago, we held a, a memorial service for uh, one of uh, our members in, in Monrovia, Vito. Some of you know Vito. Uh, he's not just a member. He's one of our leaders, and he's been uh, around since like forever. Like Pasadena, when he planted uh, the IFJF in Beverly Hills, he was one of the founding members, Vito. His mom passed away, and then, but... You know, the memorial service, the funeral was not like like the typical funeral. Not like somber or dark or just wailing and crying. No, I mean, I'm sure people, some people did that. But the, 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 the tone of, of that service was celebration. I, I was privileged to be, uh, to, to, to be the worship leader in that service. And as I was praying and thinking, selecting the songs, there's this one song that I picked, and, um, and that song is, it's a bit fast, like for a funeral service, and I was like, should I use this song, uh, what is it, like, uh, oh, hero of heaven, you conquer the grave, oh, you guys know that song, right, um, and, and so that it's a, a, a very, a, a more, like, f- uh, fast-paced kind of song, right, I thought, is it appropriate for a funeral but then i was thinking about vito's mom and how she lived her life she was a believer Uh, she dedicated her life to you know uh, share the goodness of jesus christ to to others and you know it, it should be a celebration right because we know that she's already in heaven with her glorified body a body that is without pain without suffering no more sickness no more illness i don't know about you But I want to tell you, a lot of you are young people, but I want to tell you, I want to give you a heads up that getting old sucks, okay? I'm going to be 15, two years, and I can tell you that the last, you know, eight years or 10 years, my my body has been falling apart. Body aches left and right, you know. I would wake up in the morning, you know, with my body aches for no reason, not because I did anything right? I, I want to give you a a preview of what's going to happen. You, you might be like laughing right now. You might be like, I don't know what he's talking about. Okay, wait like 10 or 15 more years, right? This body is not designed to live forever. But for those who are in Jesus, there is this promise that in heaven, in eternity, in eternal life, we, each one of us will get a new body. And that body is going to be like, no pain, no sickness, no suffering. You know, and I also suspect that with that new body, I'm going to be able to dunk over Xander, hopefully. <laughs> I can't right now. He's too good. I have trouble guarding him. But uh, hopefully with, now, with my new glorified body, I'm going to be able, able to, do, to be a better, better uh, basketball player. But I mean, the greatest blessing is the blessing of knowing God. And I want to propose to us that you are blessed to be a blessing. And not only it's a promise, but it's also a purpose. Everybody say promise. Everybody say purpose. So it's like a coin with two sides. It's a promise on one side, but it's also a purpose. You're blessed to be a blessing. And this promise purpose is so important. It's being repeated two more times to Abraham. Abraham. Genesis 18, 18 says, Abraham will surely become a great and powerful nation, and all nations on earth will be blessed through him. You know, one of the questions that I often receive from people is this, Steph, what is my purpose in life? And when people ask that, they're probably asking like, am I, is it my purpose? Is it God's purpose for me to become an accountant or to become a businessman or for me to become an artist or me... A, a designer, but I want to tell you that there is one purpose for every single human being, and the purpose is found here in Genesis 12:12. 12, 12, that every single human being has a purpose to be blessed and to be a blessing. Every single human being is purpose to have the blessing of knowing God and also they have a purpose with that blessing to be shared with others. Can I hear a good amen? Now, you can be an accountant, you can be a, uh, uh, a computer programmer, you can be a businessman, you can be an artist, you can be a musician. But your purpose will never change. Because whatever you do, whatever your profession is, you are called to be blessed and to be a blessing. Amen. And the greatest blessing of all Is the blessing of knowing God. Now, I'm going to take us through some uh, verses and passages in the Bible where you will see this motif, this pattern. Blessed to be a blessing. You're going to see it. Now, the part where we are being blessed is going to be highlighted in yellow. But the part that says we are to be a blessing is going to be highlighted in blue. Are you guys tracking with me? Alright? Okay. So the next one, this is the third time God spoke to Abraham about the same promise, Genesis 22. I will surely bless you and make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky, as the sand on the seashore. Your descendants will take possession of the cities of their enemies, and through your offspring all nations on earth will be blessed because you have obeyed me. Right? Blessed to be a blessing. Now, this purpose promise is so important, it's being repeated to Abraham's descendants. To Isaac in Genesis 26, I will make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and will give them all these lands and through your offspring all nations on earth will be blessed. And then to Jacob, your descendants will be like the dust of the earth and you will spread out to the west and to the earth, to the north and to the south. All peoples on earth will be blessed through you and your offspring. That's why you probably often, often read in the Bible that God is referred as the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And what unites the three of them is because each one of them received the same blessing, the same promise, that they are blessed to be a blessing. Everybody say, I am blessed, I am blessed. to be a blessing. Now, okay, well, the Bible didn't start with Abraham, death. What about before that? Didn't God create Adam and Eve? And then what about this same purpose and promise? Was it also given to them? I want to take us to Genesis chapter 1, verse 28. This is to Adam. And it says, God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number. Doesn't it sound similar? That your descendants are going to be as numerous as the stars in the sky, sand on the seashore. Be fruitful and increase in number and then fill the earth and subdue it. And the first part is you being blessed. God blessed them. Be fruitful, increase, and then fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. And then Genesis 9, to Noah. Then God blessed Noah and his son, saying to them, Be fruitful and increase in number and fill the earth. The fear and dread of you will fall on the beasts of the earth and all the birds in the sky and every creature that moves along the ground. And all the fish in the sea, they're given into your hands. So God bless them, Adam, Noah. Be fruitful, increase, and for the purpose of filling the earth, subdue them. Now, what does that mean? What does that mean? You know, I'm doing a premarital counseling with with a married couple. But with every um, couple who wanted to get married, I will go over this uh, particular um, passage where... You know, the Bible says, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, right? I used to think that, huh, when God told Adam, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, it seems like just yes, sounds easy. Just have lots of kids, right? And of course, you know, it's fun to have lots of kids. The process to have kids is fun. So that's easy. But then I would usually go over with couples. Actually, that's not a complete picture. Because if you go to Malachi chapter 2, and God was actually giving a rebuke to the people of Israel, a lot of things that God, you know, rebuked them off. But then there's this particular area where God was angry and He said, you know that I hate divorce. Because out of your union, marriage between husband and wife, out of your union I'm expecting godly offspring. So then I would ask them, do you realize that when God said be fruitful, multiply, it doesn't mean that you just have lots of kids. God is expecting you, expecting you to raise up godly offspring. Not only to have lots of kids, but lots of kids who are godly then how do you raise up godly kids? The most important thing, I mean, you can take them to church. That's important. You can make sure that they go to Sunday school. They join the youth group. But most importantly, in order for you to raise up godly kids, it's important for you, mom and dad, to be godly. Because if you're at home you live a godly life, you walk a godly walk. Chances are for them to be godly is bigger. They're more inclined to follow and to copy, to imitate you. So when God said, Be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, subdue it, it's not just merely having lots of kids, but having kids who reflect who God is. Adam and Eve were made in the image of God their job was to fill the earth with godly kids godly people who will then live a life that is godly who will live their life who will walk and, and make decisions and, 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 and act and, and speak godly things so you are blessed to be a blessing. Because the purpose has been given to us is that having been blessed with the knowledge of God, we are to share that knowledge with others. And it will be easier to help others to believe in God when we are godly. I'm not talking about perfection. But as we walk with God, God is going to change us and transform us from glory to glory. Amen. A couple of weeks ago during Vision Sunday, I shared about how, hey, you know, be welcoming, be hospitable with people, be generous, be kind, imitate Christ, reflect Christ in everything that you do, everything that, that you say, right? Sometimes people think that life is divided into what is sacred and what is spiritual, right? Whatever we do on Sunday at church, serving, giving, praising, worshiping, praying. You know, all that's sacred. But then there is what is secular. You know, our, our lives outside of church. You know, from Monday through Friday, at work, at school, when you run your business, when you conduct yourself. You know, those are like, oh, it's separate. Right? What we do for God is only on Sundays. Right? But actually, that's not accurate. The Bible says, in Him we live and move and have our being." I mean, having been purchased by God, He bought us not with gold or silver, but with His own precious blood. That means we are His. So from that point on, our lives belong to God. And that everything we do must reflect who God is. So that it's even more important, you know, not only on Sunday, you, 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 you seem like godly or you live a godly life, but on Monday through Friday, that's even more important the way you conduct yourself at work, whether or not you're being a blessing to your coworkers, to your boss, as a business owner, you know, whether you're being a blessing to your employees. I mean, pay their salary salary fairly. Pay their salary, like, on a timely manner. Pay your vendors in a timely manner. Pay a beep. You know, fair with your customers. Be honest with your customers. Amen. Whenever you're at school, the way you conduct yourself at home. I mean, you need to understand, parents, the younger generation, they can detect hypocrisy very quickly. Like, I'm sure our generation, we could detect that as well, but because of the way it was, we just basically just quietly, just be quiet about it. We don't really call them out right? But the younger generation, not only they can detect hypocrisy really quickly, they, can, they, will, they will call it out. So I'm not talking about trying to be perfect, but just genuinely walk with God. If you're being genuine in spite of our imperfections, they, they will know. They know that you're being genuine. When you, when you fail, you know, to, 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 to uphold the standard that you have about what it means to live a godly life, just, you know, be okay to confess it. And oh, you know what? I failed. I'm sorry about that. Thank you for reminding me. Please call me out. You know, I was uh, a few months ago. I felt so convicted by the Lord. Um, and I decided to confess it to to the staff. Um, and uh, I said, you know, James chapter two says confess your sins to God and to one another so that you may be healed so I told the staff you know there's a confession that I need to make I've been convicted by God numerous times but all this while I just kept it to myself I was just trying to figure it out on my own but I want to confess it to you because according to the Bible when I confess it to others I shall be healed so I said I want to confess that I've been struggling with prayerlessness. I mean, don't get me wrong, I do talk to God on a the, on the daily basis, but I usually would multitask while driving, while taking a shower, while doing something else. I talk to God constantly, but I often struggle with just setting aside time to pray. It's just like, it's just so hard and so difficult. And when I begin to, you know what, I have to do this. But what am I going to say, God? I mean, you have a lot of things to say. You have a lot of things to be thankful for. You have a lot of things to, you know, that you need help with. Why don't you just begin to, you know, lift up all of those things that go through your mind? And then, yeah. So I just began to do that. And um, so I shared it with, I confessed it. So it's not about being perfect. If you have to confess it, just confess it. And ask them to, hey. Please call me out. I ask my staff, please check with me, text me, you know, regularly to see Steph, did you pray today? I shared this in Monrovia, I shared this in West LA, and I'm sharing this here. So I'm giving you the permission to text me and ask me, Steph, did you pray today? Because I want to be held accountable. Amen. We do have a purpose, we are blessed to be a blessing. And so from Adam and Noah, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and now the nation of Israel. They were supposed to be, they were blessed and they were supposed to be a blessing. So how are they doing? I mean, back to Exodus 1, chapter uh, chapter 1, verse 7 and 12, it says, they were exceedingly fruitful, multiplied greatly, increased in numbers. The land was filled with them, but then they were oppressed. So they're not doing so good because they were blessed, but oppressed. reason why I brought us back to Genesis 12 2 and then even to Adam and Noah is because what should have happened was they were supposed to be blessed and blessed and be a blessing. They were supposed to be blessed and be a blessing. Now, why were they oppressed? They were blessed with the greatest blessing of all, which is the blessing of knowing God. Now, It doesn't really say blatantly in the Bible, but I was wondering, they were blessed by, but why they were oppressed. Now, they were blessed in Egypt, but the Egyptians, did they know God? Did they worship God? Shouldn't they be a blessing to all nations on earth, including Egypt? Now, I can tell you that at that time, Point, majority of the Egyptians they didn't worship God because by that time they still worshipped lots of gods and the ten plagues actually every single plague was actually a direct attack to an Egyptian God so the ten plagues that were sent to Egypt you know, when Moses came to see Pharaoh and asked Pharaoh, Pharaoh let God's people go because they're supposed to worship the living God. And then Pharaoh said, no, I'm not going to let your people go. And then so in order uh, for Pharaoh to understand that God is being serious, that he needs to let the people go, you know, plagues were sent. And each one of them was an attack to a, an Egyptian God. Number one, water into blood. It was an attack to a God named Hopi, God of annual flooding of the Nile. The Nile river, which provides fertile soil on river banks to grow crops. The second plague, frogs. It was an attack to a goddess named Hecate, a goddess of her fertility and her head is a head of a frog. Nets It was an attack to a god named Geb, god of earth farming and fertility. Flies. It was an attack to a god named Kepri, god of creation, the head of that god is a head of a fly. Cattle disease, it was an attack to a goddess named Hathor, a goddess of love and protection, and her head is a head of a cow. Boils, it was an attack to a, god named, a, a goddess named Isis, a goddess of medicine and peace. Hail. it was an attack to a goddess named Nut, A goddess of the sky. Locust. It was an attack to a a god named Seth. A god of storms and disorder. Total darkness. That's plague number nine. It was an attack to Ra. The sun god. And then lastly, the, the, the tenth plague. Death of firstborns. It was an attack to Osiris. The god of the underworld. The god of the afterlife. The god of the dead. Why were the Egyptians still believing in those other gods? I mean, the Egyptians should have believed in the God of Israel, the one true God. And Joseph, their ancestor, paved the way. Wherever Joseph was, if you go back and read the the account of Joseph, wherever he was, he was sold into slavery. He was in Egypt, right? Right? Wherever he was, the people around him noticed that God was with him. He was sold to Potiphar, the head of the secret service to to Pharaoh. So he worked for Potiphar as a slave, and he climbed the ladder all the way to become Potiphar's right-hand man. The Bible says because Potiphar saw that God was with Joseph. And he was wrongly accused. He got imprisoned. Again, in prison, the jailer saw that God was with Joseph. And then he was called to interpret Pharaoh's dreams. And then Pharaoh said, the Spirit of God was with Joseph. That's why he was uh, appointed to be his right-hand man, Joseph. Wherever he was, people saw that God was with him. How about Israel afterwards? How come the Egyptians didn't see that God was with them? They were blessed. They were oppressed. I I got a suspicion that they were blessed, but they were not being intentional about being a blessing. Did you realize that the plagues, the split of the Red Sea, it was God's attempt to show Pharaoh and the Egyptians that he is the one true God. God did not just want to punish Pharaoh and the Egyptians for the sake of vengeance. God wanted them to be safe as well. And that's why the plagues was were sent in order for, 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 for them to be to be humble. For them to finally say that, God, you are the one true God. Because all these gods that we've been worshipping cannot save us. God wanted them to understand that I am the only one true God. And you need to come and bow and worship the one true God. Amen. And Joshua 4 says this For the Lord your God dried up the Jordan before you cross over. The Lord your God did the Jordan what he had done to the rest of the when he dried it up before us until we had crossed over. There was a blessing. It's in yellow, right? The blessing of God's protection, the blessing that God was with them. And then it says, He did this so that all the peoples of the earth might know that the hand of the Lord is powerful and so that you might always fear the Lord your God. There's a part where there's supposed to be a blessing where all peoples of the earth shall know that there's only one true God. Amen. Now, here's the account of Rahab. Rahab was a prostitute. Uh, she lived in Jericho, the first city that was going to be given over to Israel. Everybody remember with the, with the story how Jericho has like really strong walls, tall walls, and Israel was um, to conquer uh, that place. Now before that place was conquered, uh, Israel sent two spies. And when they were inside the spies, they ran into Rahab, a prostitute. And Rahab knew who they were. And Rahab was helping them, hiding them so that they won't get caught, right? And then, this is the conversation that Rahab was having with the spies. Before the spies lay down for the night, she, Rahab, went up on the roof and said to them, I know that the Lord has given you this land and that a great fear of you has fallen on us so that all who lives in this country are melting in fear because of you. Listen to this. Verse 10, we have heard... How the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you when you came out of Egypt. And what you did to Sion and Og, the two kings of the Amorites east of the Jordan, whom you completely destroyed. You see, we have heard. You know, by this time in Jericho, it was 40 years later when God split the sea. But yet, they were still melting in fear. They were still like really, really in, in terror, Right? When we heard it, our hearts melted in fear and everyone's courage failed because of you. For the Lord your God is God in heaven above and on the earth below. Now, please swear to me by the Lord that you will show kindness to my family because I've shown kindness to you. Give me a sure sign that you will spare the lives of my father and mother, my brothers and sisters and all who belong to them, that you will save us from death. Now, I want you to go to James chapter 2. It says this, You believe that there is one God, good, Even the demons believe that and shudder. In the same way, was not Rahab the prostitute considered righteous for what she did when she gave lodging to the spies and sent them off in a different direction? Did you realize that God did not just want to save Rahab? Because if the rest of the people in Jericho were to do what Rahab did, they were all going to be saved. Right? If the rest of Jericho came to come to Joshua and said, hey, we have heard of what your God did, how He split the Red Sea, how He set your people free, how you know, He helped you defeat these kings. Please, can you please ask your God, is it okay if we surrender our lives and we want to worship, we want to follow, we want to just do whatever you guys do because we believe that your God is the one true God. If everybody in Jericho were to do the same, what Rahab did, they they would have been saved. Because they heard, and they were melted in fear. What does that tell us? That means they believed what they heard, right? And the Bible says, faith comes by hearing and hearing of the word of God. But what's interesting in James chapter 2, it says that you believe there's one God, good. Because the devil also believes and shudders. So a lot of these people in Jericho, Rahab said, they, they heard, they believed, but they fell short of the one thing that they were supposed to do. They were supposed to act. They were supposed to, to, to prove what they believed, their faith, through their action. Rahab did it. She believed. That's why she got saved. Not only that, she asked the spies, hey, would you please make sure to also spare my mom, my dad, my brothers, my sisters, and our families. And then the spy said this. Just make sure, whoever you want to be safe, make sure that they're in the house when we go in, when we conquer the land. Make sure that they're in the house. Now you need to understand, for Ahab, in order for her to convince her mom, her dad, her brothers, sisters, and her relatives, she had to go out there and share about, hey, there's a way for you to be safe. We know that the God of the Israel has given this land to them. But I found a way to salvation. So she would go out there, and it was risky because she could be found out. She could be captured, but she did it anyway. Because she loved her family, her mom, dad, brother, sister, so bad that she, she wanted them to be safe, And everybody who was in the house was saved. The Bible says in Acts chapter 16, believe in the Lord Jesus and you and the whole household shall be saved. I just want to convince you of this. I know I'm running out of time. But you are blessed to be a blessing. There are people within your surrounding, in your workplace, your neighbors, other parents that your kids go to schools uh, to or if your kids are doing games, sports, Or if they do performances, their other parents, these are people who are not yet in Jesus. You have been blessed with the greatest blessing, which is the blessing of knowing God. I really want to convince you that you will not experience the fulfillment in life until you fulfill that purpose. That you are blessed to be a blessing, that you are to know Him and to make him known. That's what we are called to do. That's the calling of the church. Amen. What do you do? What do you do? I mean, I know it's intimidating to share the gospel with people. You know, we we don't have to go straight and, hey, let's open the Bible, you know, with whoever it is that you're trying to witness to. I go to the gym uh, every morning, almost every morning, and after lifting, I usually play basketball. There's a bunch of guys that I play basketball. I mean, usually during the same time, it's the same guys. And, you know, Xander knows I love basketball. I mean, we play every Saturday and I would invite him. Hey, do you and Maxon want to come? right? But we don't, I don't only really play on Saturday. Saturdays. I also play Mondays, Wednesdays, Thursdays, Fridays. So I, I'm not going to apologize for my love for basketball but i'm being intentional about the people that i'm playing basketball with i've been praying for them like really praying for them for their salvation i'm praying for the salvation of their families and then when there are opportunities for me to share to engage them with you know things about god or things like that i will a few months ago somebody found out that i'm a pastor And it was like, you're a pastor? Uh, Yeah, I mean, I'm a pastor. Guilty, you know. And then, oh, yeah, like what church? So they began asking me about what church, like what do you believe, and what is it all about? Those are opportunities that were given to me to just, you know, bring them closer to the point of salvation. And now you have coworkers, you have classmates, you have friends, you have people that you go, you know, do activities with, like, you love to play golf. I mean, go ahead, play golf. But be intentional about engaging the people that you do activities with. By praying for them. Share about God with them. Your neighbors, your co-workers, your customers, your vendors. There are a lot of people. You're blessed to be a blessing. You know when this is not to intimidate us Israel they were blessed but then they were oppressed you know how it works when we were so blessed but our focus is on just hogging and just keeping the blessings to ourselves at some point you know we're gonna start worrying about hey are we gonna continue to have these blessings is God gonna take this away from me blessings are best to be shared and the greatest blessing of all is the blessing of knowing God And I would like all of you to get a hold of that and know that that is the purpose of your life. Amen. Would you please bow your head? Father, we are so thankful for just a reminder from your word. I'm the book of Exodus that we're going over in the next few weeks. God, there are a lot of metaphors, a lot of symbols, a lot of very similar to what we're going through as your children, as your people, as your disciples. This morning, God, a reminder for all of us, or maybe it's something new to some of us, especially for those who have been wondering, what is the purpose of my life? And today, from your word, we are being exhorted, we're being commanded, we're being taught that the purpose of our lives is to to be blessed and to be a blessing. we've been blessed with the greatest blessing of all which is the blessing of knowing God and we are to be a blessing by sharing about God with others people around us give us the wisdom and the compassion and the anointing and the power to fulfill what you have called us to do thank you Lord in Jesus name we pray amen